Hello, Valparaiso. This is Allison Schutte. Willow Walsh. And we have some guests with us today who we will introduce in a moment. This is Listen Up, a Welcome Project Radio. The Welcome Project collects first-person stories and pairs them with facilitated conversation to help participants forge stronger ties within and across communities. We envision a world in which people are curious about and actively seek to engage those who are different from themselves. We are proudly underwritten by Asana Yoga Center and Roots Market Cafe, two excellent ways to feel good this summer. They're located online at asanacenter.com and rootsmarketcafe.com. And thanks to Kelly and Michael Marachna, who believe in supporting diversity learning and growth. The music is provided by WVLP's very own Paul Schreiner. Thanks, Paul. So today we're going to do something a little bit different. We do have two lovely guests with us in the studio today, but typically we play a couple of stories and pause in between each to have a conversation about them. But today we've got bits and pieces of a couple of different stories and then also an audio piece that I had recorded at a protest last weekend in Valpo. So yeah, so that's about what we're going to be delving into today. And Allison, do you want to introduce our lovely guests? Yes. Well, if you're familiar with Asana Yoga Center, one of our underwriters, you will be familiar with Dana Dar. And there's other ways, of course, to be familiar with Dana because Dana is involved in the community more broadly, including at the Valparaiso Women's Association. Did I get the name right, Valparaiso? That is correct. Yes, yes. yes. And then... um, Dana, do you want to introduce Libby? Because I know Libby virtually from watching her on the other side of the (laughs) Zoom screen for yoga. (laughs) Yes, we're very lucky to have Libby Middendorf, and I've known Libby for a long time. She was a a student of mine originally. Now she lives in Indianapolis and takes my classes virtually, which is an option for every class at Asana Yoga Center. So if you can't make it to class, you can just stream along with us. Um, Libby is uh, an engineer and lawyer, and she's uh, also a fabulous feminist, and I adore and admire her. Right, but I do have to say I'm not actually a lawyer. I have to say that. (laughs) I do have a law degree. (laughs) What is the difference? Well, I haven't taken a state bar, so I, I took the patent bar, so I am a patent agent with a law degree. Got it. Got it. Well, we got to get our facts straight here right. on the radio. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, welcome to you both. We're really excited to have you with us. And this show, in part, is happening because of Dana. Um, so last Monday was July 4th. Is that? It feels mm-hmm. like ages Crazy, ago right? already, yeah. but that was mm-hmm. just Monday. And I was on the back patio enjoying the beautiful weather because it was, it was pretty lovely that day. A little hot, I guess, but Dana texted do you know about this rally that's happening downtown? <laughs> Which I live close enough to downtown Valparaiso that I could hear the honks mm-hmm. and the cheers, and it sounded like somebody had a, more than a bullhorn because this, this, the speakers were projecting pretty far. Uh, so I was just fingers crossed hoping it was... <laughs> it was Oh, I shouldn't say that on the air. Although my progressive politics have never been <laughs> a secret. <laughs> I was really just hoping it wasn't like a Trump rally or something like that. Um, anyway, so I didn't know more than Dana did. Dana, you ended up stopping by the, the rally, which actually was um, in 
protest to the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. So I also stopped by for a short bit and Willow and Erica, Mm -hmm. we drove by a few times. You were doing the the drive by getting the honks (laughs) in. So um, Libby in Indianapolis, I don't know, were you a a part of a recent? Yeah, we had a rally in Indianapolis at the State House uh, the weekend before Fourth of July that I did go to. Okay, so we all have a little bit of recent experience with this topic of gender that we wanted to talk about today. So Dana, part of our like initial texting, really brief texting was like, what is the value of protests? What is the role of protests? Mm-hmm. Like how far do they get us? Um, so we will be diving into that, unpacking that as we talk today. And that topic can come up at any point. We are going to play two short clips from the Welcome Project archive just to set up this question or the, not the question, the topic of gender. But if we get off track and just dive straight into the protest, that's all good. (laughs) So I think that's enough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, the first story is an excerpt of um, a story on the website called We're Not That Far Along. And both of the speakers you will hear from today are theology professors or were theology professors at Valparaiso University. So this first clip is actually from an interview that was in 2012, which is 10 years ago now. So uh, this is We're Not That Far Along. We're not that far along, I don't think. I mean, there might be people on campus who say that we've overcome a lot of gender issues, and I think to some degree we have, but you look at the faculty, uh, especially in sciences, engineering, there's no gender balance. The ideal is a gender-blind society, but to some extent the culture is revisiting a lot of gender issues, and in some quadrants slipping back into patriarchy. I think many women on this campus are not aware of sort of the movement in the 60s and 70s, how profoundly society was changed over that time. They have become maybe complacent because they weren't didn't live through it. And they may think that if we don't make gender a big issue, that's our way of sort of overcoming gender issues. This is Listen Up, Welcome Project Radio on WVLP 103.1 FM and streaming online at WVLP.org. I'm Allison Schutte, and I'm here with co-host Willow Walsh. Today we have two guests with us, Dana Dar and Libby Middendorf, Middendorf <laughs> who are um, helping us think about protest and this recent decision by the Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade. And for many of us, that has um, activated our concerns over how we will be free and equal participants as women in society, (laughs) to state it boldly. Um, So this first clip, like I said, is from a, a, a faculty member at Valparaiso University in the Theo department in 2012. He's since retired. I'm wondering if anything just jumped out to you, Libby, Dana. We've both heard this story before because we've played a larger part of it on the show. So I'd just be curious, like, did anything pop out at you? Otherwise, we can pose some questions. Well, he did mention engineering, which, as we talked earlier, I did go to engineering school and uh, was 
the second class of females admitted into a private school here in Indiana for engineering. Do you you mind sharing the year? Oh, yeah. No, it was, so I would have started in 1996. So, yeah, they didn't, it was a private school. It was all male before. So, yeah, there was only, I don't even know what the percentage was. I just know it was like close to seven to one men to women at that school at that time. And so, uh, I don't know, a few years ago, I checked again to see like if it had leveled out to 50-50 yet, and it was still, I think, only 30% mm-hmm. women, which kind of surprised me because it would, had been close to 20 years. Yeah, so. yeah. Wow. Maybe not the progress right. <laughs> that we think we've made. Exactly. Um, so that definitely resonates with mm-hmm. what this, this storyteller was saying. Dana, did anything stand out to you? Yeah, actually, it was it was the thing that I initially reached out to you about, and that is, have people become complacent? Mm-hmm. Because my my fear is we're all marching in a circle around the courthouse, and we are feeling good about that, but is it doing anything? And uh, so I was talking to some of my other girlfriends about this, and they're, oh, are you going, well, I don't know. And uh, so finally one said, you know, I'd go, but it's really hot. And the other one goes, oh, yeah, I just, there's so many people. And that's when I was like, I'm going. I'm going because we can't just sit back like this and enjoy our privilege. And, and, and instead of standing, well, we're standing on the shoulders of those who've come before mm-hmm. us. And one of the things that was going in my head was the people who have marched and who have demanded rights for um, women. And then, of course, I, th- I, as I always do, I think of my friend Robert Cotton. And I'm like, look what they've had to go through. Um, Robert Cotton is a, uh, a black man who lives in Valparaiso. And they've never been able to give up. They've never had the privilege of just stepping back and saying, eh, other people will do that. It's too hot. I'm going to just, you know, make a beverage and stay home. And so that was what motivated me to go downtown. And I was so happy when I got there and I saw so many young people there, young women, young men that were supporting them. And yet I still left saying, what have we done? because traffic eventually went away. There was very little traffic that went by except for those of us <laughs> in support for it. Because when I stopped marching, I ran around a couple times with my Jeep. And there were plenty of men that came and flipped us off. I don't feel like we changed minds. Um, I mean, definitely the presence. It's good to get the presence out there and let that know. But then as Libby and I were talking about on the way over, it doesn't seem to change minds of our elected officials. Our elected officials aren't listening to us. They are making their own decisions. They actually wrote to Libby one time and said, your opinion is wrong. Oh, wow. I've yeah. never gotten anything but a form letter back from mm. my... Mm, yeah, <laughs> it might have been her form letter. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I believe, didn't she say, I don't uh, agree with your values yeah, or yeah, something yeah. like that? She, she didn't agree in, mm-hmm. in that, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was it. And sit down. <laughs> sit, yeah. yeah. So that was what really resonated when, when he said, uh, I think young women are co- becoming complacent. And it's not that we're so much complacent, but I think we've been pushed into our place for so long. And that kind of immediate default is, oh, well. And I can't handle the oh, wells. 
So that's why I had to go down there. So that's what resonates with me, mm-hmm. comma, mm-hmm. Allison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I, in part, wanted to bring this story back because of his... The, I, I do feel like the way he stated at the end that the students he was referring to don't want to make gender a big issue because they feel like if if it's not raised as an issue, then it isn't an issue, mm-hmm. which that happens with all all demographic categories, right? <laughs> and so one of the things I do feel like that protests can do is raise the issue. Now, you know, that's not the end-all be-all, but if we do have a certain amount of complacency, there is a sense in which if enough people are galvanizing at public protests, events, and rallies, the issue does get raised, and then we can or we can make some decisions about what to do once it's been raised. Well, this makes me think of, um, I saw on the television a clip of Tucker Carlson way back in the day when he was still wearing a bow tie and was on some other talk show, and they were talking about racial inequality. And he said, quite frankly, I think we're talking about it too much. Mm -hmm. And now it's becoming a problem because we do talk about it, where I think if we just didn't talk, it will just kind of go away. And of course, going away in Tucker's mind is different than going away in our minds. We want, you know, across the board equality. He wants superiority. Anyway, I don't know him. So to kind of sweep that off to the side is what's scary. So I do appreciate that we are uh, raising that. And I'm glad that you said that because I was talking about that in yoga today. When people get together with a single voice, you actually change gravity in an area. You create your own mass, which is why at yoga we say om at the beginning of class. It's to bring everyone together. But you've created your own reality at that point. You have literally changed Mm -hmm. the vibrations in the room. Mm-hmm. So perhaps by raising our voices at these protests, perhaps we're doing the same thing. I, I would love to think that that's true. Uh, but then I did think that I went home and I, I cleaned my bathroom, right? right? But, so um, I didn't go out and, you know, galvanize anything. But does everything have to happen all at once? True. You know, I mean, like our lives we have to continue leading our lives part of what we're fighting for is like to lead a good life a normalcy yeah yeah you're correct you're correct so yeah I just that's one of the things I definitely want to talk about like what's the speed at which I mean of course if we could just magically change reality the four of us in this room would have Roe v. Wade reinstated or maybe we would do something even more radical I don't know um, but in the in in the light of the fact that reality doesn't give us exactly what we want, what is the speed at which some of this foundational work manifests? You know, when you're talking about ohm, creating a a reality that that serves the class period for sure, but doesn't it go on to have fruit elsewhere? But like, I will leave your yoga studio and I will go home and walk the dog or I'll go home and make lunch. I mean, so it's not like my life is constantly lived at this level of 
active activation because that would burn out our central nervous system. You're absolutely anyway. correct. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely correct. I guess I was thinking more in the terms of now what? Hmm. Okay. Now we've raised this. Mm-hmm. Now we've we've marched and now what? You know, I mean, I don't know what happened when they marched on Selma and uh, did they just go get lunch after? Well, some of them were in jail, so... Well, there was that problem. There was, but did someone bring them lunch? No, it's a joke. I'm yeah, teasing. yeah, yeah. Willow? I think it's so interesting, like, because of where we are in Indiana. Like if, it, like, if this sort of protest holds a different value in Indiana than it does in, like, San Diego. Because, like, mm-hmm. that's where my parents mm-hmm. live. They're texting me, like, oh, look at all these people out here. And you think, like, okay, I feel like generally the local government there would be really supportive. And so, like, I wonder, like, what does it mean to sort of come together in San Diego versus, like, Indiana? And I want, like, I, I'm more inclined to say that it's more helpful in Indiana because I think I just generally go around assuming that everyone around me is against me and that's <laughs> that's not healthy I'm in therapy <laughs> but like but you know what I mean like you're just like you feel alone knowing that this is a consistent red state and so you just assume that everybody else doesn't agree with you and so I think what's really powerful for me living here is like seeing the amount of women that went out and men that went out on the courthouse square and protested that's like that's so rejuvenating to me cuz it's like Wow, it's that's that wasn't five people. That was like tons of people out there. And that feels so good, you know, knowing that like those people are in the grocery store, those people are in the coffee shop with me. And I think that's really powerful. And I think, you know, like we had a city council member a few years back when the uh, shooting or the the running over at Charlottesville happened. And, you know, we, we there was this big debate, you know, do we make a statement as Valparaiso on behalf of this? And one of the city council members said, well, national politics doesn't affect local politics. And I couldn't agree with that less. <laughs> but I think but I think that lets us know, you know, this isn't something happening in D.C. This is people care about this here in Valparaiso. And so the fact that, you know, it it, is, it was so wonderful in 2016 to see the Women's March and see how many women showed up, but it's so powerful for me to see in Valparaiso there are people showing up and people driving by. Maybe, you know, the dudes that are flipping you off, maybe they have a daughter in the back seat yeah, right. who that really <laughs> felt, wow, these yeah. women are here and they're going to say something. So I don't know, but it does hurt though, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, what, it, what does protesting do besides give you some sort of visibility in a red state? on a progressive topic. I mean, I grapple with that too. Like, do, are we changing minds? Does, does showing up do anything besides give visibility? Well, this it, is it, Listen Up, Welcome Project Radio <laughs> with Allison Schutte and Willa Walsh and our guests, Dana and Libby. And this is uh, 103.1 FM WVLP, also streaming online at WVLP.org. Um, Dana, I interrupted you. I'm so sorry. Please <laughs> jump right back in. Well, so I then, in my grappling on, on that day, thought about the Women's March in D.C. that Allison, I know you went to. I don't know if you went, Willow. The one here. Uh, okay. Well, I went to the one here, but I know you went to the one at D.C. D.C. And, you know, everyone, and I know you were. I was in Chicago. Right. Okay. And, um, you know, you guys took the buses, uh, <laughs> think of, you know, all the things that we did, and what did it accomplish? 
see, but okay, people I, can't see your face. Oh, sorry. Okay, so, and I'm, um, I'm giving the, the wide-eyed, oh. Uh. Um, <laughs> uh, my, my question is, what did it accomplish? I mean, we felt good, we, we did it, and it, it, I can't say that nothing came of it because that's just not feasible. But Donald Trump stayed in office, People got worse and worse. It was it was horrible, and I get frustrated, and I'm a, I'm easily frustrated. But that that amount of strength did virtually nothing. So that's why I get at protests. I I'm kind of like yes, yes, but then what? Mm-hmm. And I don't mean to be a, a, a downer about things because I do think that we need to keep moving. And, and you know, civil rights wasn't achieved in, in a day and still isn't necessarily there. It, and the right to vote for women, it took a long time. And I understand that. But it seems like there's a lot of movement, but very little. There's a lot of action, but little movement is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. I want to play the second Welcome Project clip just so we have her voice in the room too and then um, we'll return to this. Especially I, I want to think back to the Women's March so I don't want to lose that train of thought. This is a, a female faculty member who's who left Valparaiso University um, and the interview with her is 2015 so it would have been three years after her colleague's interview and so this is an excerpt from a story called Naming Can Be Powerful. Absolutely, my being a woman um, has shaped my experience here. I, for instance, am an ordained pastor. I've had to face the reality that I labor with people who still think that that's an appropriate subject for debates. So uh, a couple of years ago at the Martin Luther King Day event, I was asked to participate, and I did participate in debates about whether it was okay for women to be ordained. And if we think of it in terms of race, uh, we would not hold a debate over whether it was appropriate for blacks to be pastors or whether it was appropriate for blacks to be uh, senators or or to be lawyers or to be doctors or to. But but we're we're still at a point where we think it's okay to debate whether women should hold that role. I don't ever deal with problems, at least not anymore, by keeping quiet, but by a realistic understanding of what I can accomplish. So naming is often as much as I can accomplish. But, you know, I have seen among my colleagues men of goodwill who nevertheless, until I've named something, didn't notice it. And so naming can actually be a powerful first step in in moving things. This is Listen Up, Welcome Project Radio with Allison Schutte and Willow Walsh and our guests, Dana and Libby, today. We are taking on the topic of gender, in, especially in the face of the Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. And in particular, we're interested in what is the role of public protests and rallies Um, And we're using two stories from the Welcome Project archive just to set up this topic of gender. And then we've already been starting to talk about protests and how we feel 
um, their value and their futility. <laughs> so um, we'll, we'll be diving into that more. Um, but I do want to start again, maybe with you, Libby, if you want for something that popped out to you from this storyteller. And then Dana, you can also, of course, share. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I hadn't really, the way she put that, like, why are we debating about, you know, women in certain positions when a lot of other, you know, classifications don't even come to mind that jumped out to me yeah, and, yeah. as something I was like, oh, wow, yeah, that's unfortunate, yes. <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> One of my neighbors is a minister. He is, as he tells me, a minister to men. And when uh, the presidential election between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump was going on, he uh, stopped me one day and, and asked me who I was voting for. And I said, who are you voting for? Because <laughs> I'm not silly enough to answer that. He goes, well, you have to face it. Is a woman really qualified to be president? Wow. Yes. Wow. And this is a man who is guiding other men, right? He's serving as a role model for them. And I told him, well, this is where you and I wish each other a good day. Mm -hmm. And we go along because we're neighbors and I don't really speak to him anyway. It, it, so yeah, why are we debating this? Mm -hmm. Since when is a woman not, and, and he said it the way, and of course his wife was right next to him, nodding her head. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that frightened me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. in, in a land where supposedly we can do anything we want, apparently there's people who think we're not qualified because we have a, a womb. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Willow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just absorbing, so I'm forcing you to go, <laughs> go first. Yeah. I mean, I think, so what she talks about here, naming, and she's found power in that by telling the men around her just calling things out because some of the men around her haven't even it hadn't even occurred to them and so uh, I, I go back and forth with this because I think like my partner's family is very conservative and I think okay if I were to bring this up I, I can't imagine this conversation going well like you know, me telling them my side of the story. Well, it's like, you know, what if your body was controlled? What if you were forced to do this? And it's like, I can't imagine them going like, oh, I never thought of that. You're no. so right. Well, <laughs> now I'm going to vote pro-choice. Right, <laughs> right, right. But, you know, so it's like, I wonder if like that even pulls enough weight. Because it's like, you know, I would tell my dad that, but it's like, he's already a progressive and he would already probably vote down the line that I would. And so it's like, if I were to tell him something, he'd be like, oh, well, yeah, I never thought of that. And then he would enter that into the Rolodex of information that he has, but it wouldn't really change anything. At the same time, there's something maybe the most powerful about those connections. And I think about this a lot as I, I work with somebody who she identifies as Christian, Catholic Christian, and she goes to church in Laporte, and she talks about how, you know, the people around her don't believe the same thing she does, and so after the Roe v. Wade decision, she felt really isolated at church, and she said, nobody is, you know, nobody's pro-choice like I am, everyone's rejoicing, but she wants to have conversations with people and she's actually been able to move women, not pro-choice, but you know, just a little bit farther on the dial 
based on the conversations that she's had. So I think there's something really powerful that can happen interpersonally in these groups that were already existing. And so like for her in the congregation, they already see her as a full person. Mm. Oh, this is her. I already know who she is. Mm. I already love and respect her. Maybe I'll hear her out. And so I think that that part of naming can be powerful, you know, if you're already there. But I don't know. It just feels like... On, on a whole, nationally, we're already naming this. You know, you turn on the news, we're already <laughs> talking about yeah, how unfair right. this is. So what, uh, I'm just trying to find something, you know, we're talking about movement, this naming that the speaker is saying. I, I can't see how applicable it is on a national scale. This is WVLPLP at 103.1 FM in Valparaiso. Community-supported radio, also streaming live from WVLP.org. We rely on donations from individuals, businesses like Asana Yoga Center, and other organizations in order to continue to spread the word that ongoing, volunteer-driven local media leads to a better community. Please consider supporting the station by visiting our website, wvlp.org backslash support. Donations are tax-deductible, and we here at Listen Up Welcome Project Radio would sure appreciate it. So this is Allison Schutte with Willow Walsh and our two guests for the day, Dana and Libby. And um, we're discussing today frustrations with um, how maybe little traction we feel we've made around gender equality, gender equity, when something like um, the overturning of Roe v. Wade happens that sort of alerts us on a very large scale to the ways in which women are up for debate, as our last storyteller put it. Um, And we're trying to think about um, how those kinds of large decisions by Supreme Court justices are happening at these very local levels, like we just heard from this storyteller who in 2015 at Valparaiso University in the Theo department was invited to debate whether she actually had a right to be an ordained pastor. And of course, there are denominations where that is still um, up for debate. So it doesn't feel good when you're a a category that's up for debate. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I think that the overturn of Roe v. Wade has made a lot of American women, and maybe not just American. I mean, I think the international response to the overturning of Roe v. Wade is actually been kind of like, if that's where America's going, hello. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so naming is powerful. We're actually questioning that, if that's enough, or at what level it works. Was that mm-hmm. sort of where you left it? Yeah, like well, how powerful it could potentially be interpersonally, but when we're talking about national movement, how 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 much does it actually do? Yeah, I mean, this is this will take us off the topic of gender for a minute, but I know on the in the Welcome Project when we did our Flight Paths Initiative, which is our oral history for the region of Northwest Indiana with a specific emphasis on um, the black civil rights movement in Gary in the 60s and 70s, and then the sort of the backlash that happened um, and the white flight to the suburbs and the deindustrializations of the mill and then the disinvestment in the city of Gary. And part of when we started that initiative was if we just 
tell people the story, then um, the region can just be like, oh, shoot, it's time to redo something about that. <laughs> and there has been a bit of an awakening on my part, I would say, like that that's a, a slightly, that's slightly naive. But I hesitate to give away the entire power of naming something or telling a story about something and saying, well, what that won't do any good because it won't really change people's minds who aren't ready to have it changed. Like another thing I've learned from working on the welcome project is that an individual interview between an interviewer and the storyteller that has value in it. So even if it does nothing else ever, there's been value for the two people that were involved in that for the storyteller. It's something like, having yourself recognized and um for the person interviewing it's this for me at least it's been about the activation of curiosity and empathy and um i have changed my ways of thinking and even approaching the world through these interviews so i think um this maybe will take us back to the the women's march in 2016 I have felt like you, Dana, and I think there's part of me that still feels this way, like, okay, uh, looking back from 2022, what did we accomplish? It felt amazing to be there. There were so many women and so many pink hats. I don't know if everybody remembers the pink hats. Um, Okay, but yeah, you know, after four years of Trump in office, look at the, the, the... debris in his wake um we might not even have democracy for very much longer if if uh january 6th isn't looked at and taken seriously um at the same time i've started thinking why do i always measure the value of something by its later impacts Mm -hmm. um yes i want it to do more things and at the same time does that diminish any of the value that it had in the moment? And so I'm thinking about protests and rallies in that regard too. Like I can't control outcomes. This is what they teach in AA. This is what they teach in Buddhism (laughs) and mindfulness practice. Um, But I can get out there and connect with other people. And that value, I'm starting to want for my own practice, my own spiritual practice to elevate the value of that um, and say, I don't know where it will lead, like what kinds of changes or transformation it can bring about, but um, it has value. And I I need to name that. I need to identify that um, for myself to stay engaged. Otherwise, I'm just like if I just look at things by the outcome, um, we did not ever get Trump out of office. He was not impeached X number of times. Um, then, then I just despair. And I think, why do any action? So that's been my most recent thinking mm-hmm. <laughs> on this, but it's pretty fresh and new. It's not. So I hear all the cynical voices still too. Um, I don't know if it does it feel like cynicism to you. I don't mean to like throw a label on your reaction. Oh no, it's it's it's, it's cynicism, but um, uh, based on frustration, I think, mm-hmm. um, and based upon the fact that I really, really want to affect. Somehow, I think we need to affect change in this country, and 
I'm frustrated that we're not listened to, and I'm, I'm, but I'm still hopeful. And and I suppose you know, like with Pandora's box, as long as you have hope, you do have something, and it, but it saddens me that it's not for my daughters, and it's not for the willows of the world, who's you know, little baby, she's very cute. Um, I don't want, I want to leave a better world. And I suppose you, you just plug away. You, you have to cast cynicism aside, which is difficult for me sometimes, and keep doing the good work. So I don't know if that even answers your question. I've lost myself as always. <sighs> Allison, you mentioned despair, which is honest. I was feeling that the day after the decision. And so actually going to the march or, you know, the abortion rally at the state house did help with that, at least. And kind of instead of just sitting at home and wallowing in, in despair and feeling like hopeless, I, I getting out there at least and seeing, again, uh, people of like mind and you're like, okay, I'm not alone. Yeah. Yeah. It at least, you know, helped and like maybe helped me decide to like, okay, I can at least try to do something. Would you mind describing what you saw in, in that rally, like in terms of people and the types of people and like, were there speakers? Like what yeah. kind of happened that day for you? Yeah, we, we had a, there were a few speakers there and they were fantastic. I, I apologize. I don't remember any of their names, but they were great. And it was a wide range of people, men, women. I was there with a friend and her 14 year old daughter and her friends. And then there were like lady, women in like their sixties and seventies with signs saying like, I don't believe we have to do this again. Yeah, Stuff yeah. like that. And I was telling Dana earlier, at one point, like, uh, one of the speakers was talking, and I, I looked around, and everybody around me was in tears mm-hmm. at one point. And the, just, like, the camaraderie of that, it did do something. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember making, actually, the decision to go on the 4th to downtown Valparaiso. I, like, it never was a kind of, like... I don't know how I finally, I just got on my bike and I'm like, I'm going to go check this out. (laughs) And so I didn't know what to expect. And I didn't even get to Lincoln way yet. I just saw like a corner that had a bunch of people on it with their uh, signs, you know, and there was definitely honking going on. And I was just starting to tear Mm -hmm. up. I'm like, I'm like 50 feet Mm -hmm. away from this still. And what is that about that emotional reaction? I feel Mm -hmm. I think it's a lot of what you were talking about, Willow, for me at least with like not feeling alone and, and, and yeah, Lily, Lily, you're mentioning that too, like, just like, oh, okay. Um, and it's, maybe it's not just, I have other people cause it's, I didn't actually, I did see one person there that I knew, but otherwise like everybody's strangers and I didn't go away <laughs> having made friends with anybody else. Um, maybe that's just me. Like, cause I could see that happening. I could see hanging out with people and then, you know, like you actually forge relationships, but I'm an introvert. So, you know, um, <laughs> uh, I think there's just something about the numbers too. Like it's the size, it's the, the need is so great that this many people have come out, you know, like, mm-hmm. 
because you could go to a, a rally, like this has happened on campus where I, as a advisor to the LGBTQ organization on campus, when the students did a, a little, I shouldn't say little as in diminutive, but a small um, sit-in during National Day of Silence, which is the day that the LGBTQ community recognizes how people in the queer community have been silenced. And so it's a day that a lot of people take a vow of silence in order to bring attention to that. Anyway, some of the students had you know, done the duct tape um, across their mouths, and Liz and I joined them on this corner, like right outside the union, and there were like five of us, you know? Yeah. And um, the point for me that day was more as an advisor, in a, although I identify, I'm in the queer community, so it was also for myself, but um, so we weren't alone. But it didn't have that same mm -hmm. kind of, mm -hmm. you know, feeling, which, of course, the Women's March in D.C. had that, you know, like exponentially kind of thing. Do you have thoughts right right now, Willow, or should I play the... Oh, go ahead and play the yeah. audio. Uh, so, um, oh, I should also say this is Listen Up, Welcome Project Radio, <laughs> and you're listening to WVLP uh, at 103.1 FM in Valparaiso and also streaming online at WVLP.org. I don't know how this is going to go, listeners. <laughs> we have a 90-second um, audio recording of the protest from July 4th at Valparaiso, Indiana, downtown, and we thought we would treat it like we treat a story. Mm -hmm. So we'll listen to it, and, and then we'll talk about what we heard and see if that takes us deeper into this conversation about protests. All right, welcome back to Listen Up. Welcome Project Radio. That was 90 seconds of a protest in downtown Valparaiso, Indiana on July 4th, 2022, taped by our very own Willow Walsh, who was driving around honking some of those horns. Um, what did you hear, Willow, in, in re-listening to? Mm, my body, my choice, and a lot of people. A lot of horns that I remember, too. That's really nice. I think I also heard this, I don't know if it was because you were driving while you were recording or if that was all at one 
place where you were stopped? Oh, no. I had my phone in my uh, hand out okay. the window as we were driving yeah. by. Yeah, because I was kind of hearing this wave, you know, mm-hmm. like of energy. Um, and that might have been the car driving by, but it also might be how something goes up and down, a, you know, the line of the, the, the ralliers, too. Did anything stand out to you, Dana? Uh, yeah, uh, the excitement of people to, to feel support from other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Which kind of answers the question, doesn't it? Why do we protest? Well, you're testing the waters, and when you do get that... Um, Response? Like that. Yeah, yeah, where, where you know that you're being supported by others, that, mm-hmm. that other people, whether you know they're just honking or they're raising their fist or even just smiling at you, that uh, acknowledgement... Mm-hmm. is very empowering. It, it feels great, right? Yeah. Did anything else pop out to you, Libby, that we didn't talk about? You can also emphasize something that's already been noticed. <laughs> I, I was just curious, since I wasn't at yeah. that actual rally and you guys were, like, because I was also surprised by the number of horns and stuff I was hearing for people that actually weren't there but were, like, trying to give their support. Like, was it that, did it feel more to you here or while you were there, was it? Did you feel more from, you know, to like, I'm saying, did you like recognize more of the support being able to hear it back again or what in the moment? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I can start. Um, I felt it in the moment. I'm surprised at how well the recording picks it up Mm -hmm. actually. Because I just think, you know, a th- 90 seconds of a, a, a phone being held out a window. Mm-hmm. So it actually kind of brings it all back in the same sort of intensity that was there. Um, and there there were more moments of chance that were prolonged. Like what we heard in that little audio was just a couple of my body, my choice. But occasionally the whole crowd across like a, it's like one city block downtown um, that was full of like maybe bodies four to six deep. Mm-hmm. You, I think when you were there, Dana, maybe they were even more people. Oh my goodness. They, it was, uh, it actually went all the way down to at least, oh, to at least Napoleon street. So they were marching okay. all the way down and then back. And I would say it was more when I was there at, at least 10 deep. Oh, and they marched. So by the time I got there, it was just the rally at the courthouse. Okay, okay. Yeah, because I think some of the photos I sent you, I was in the middle of the square, uh, middle of the courthouse lawn looking outward. Okay. Yeah, it was pretty phenomenal. Dana, you had mentioned that something about getting the affirmation from people that just happen to be driving by is a, a reason or part of uh, the value of these public yes. these public protests. And, well, and honestly, even when we got the bad uh, reactions, <laughs> yeah, right? it, because everyone, you could feel that <laughs> kind of, you know, we will. Uh, <laughs> that was really kind of good as well. And knowing that we completely outnumbered the person yes. in the truck giving, flipping us the bird, yeah. right? It's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I have never felt so unintimidated by the pickup truck that drives by with the Trump flags. Yeah. Um, we, ha- we have like, you know, an Indiana pickup truck, right, which is enormous in the first place. And then it has two huge flags flying off of it, at least two. It might be four. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, th- I see them. I think they do a kind of general Saturday drive by. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah, thinking, yeah. Like, 
And it's always when I when I see them and I'm just like walking down the sidewalk, I just kind of deflate. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like I feel so bullied true. even though they haven't gotten out of their yeah. truck. Yeah. Um, and this was definitely a counter to that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they drove by. Yes. No, they were and, there. And they yeah. did not say anything. I was surprised. They didn't say anything. Yeah. This doesn't have to get answered if it will take us down a tangent but i wondered seeing their truck like what do trump supporters have to get get from roe v wade being overturned like that didn't kind of didn't make sense to me except in so far as we're just like polarized and so if your tribe did it which i guess trump-based folk would think that the conservative nature of the Supreme Court is something that Trump did and so therefore it's good and so then any decision that comes from them must be good but I'm just like I think you might be wrong about that this particular decision might not be something you want to uh, be celebrating but I don't know well let's not forget though it puts control back into their hands Mm. When you say there, do you mean like men or... I mean men, and I mean men men of of a particular persuasion who uh, feel like women are too uppity and that Mm. they they really should just sit down. Mm. Um, Because from what I understand, that's a huge part of that platform is uh, if you wanted to make America great again, that means that you want anyone that's not a Mm. white male to not be in charge. We'll take care of it, put it in our hands, and you just go sit down and do whatever it is that we tell you you should be doing. And so I, I think, yeah, it's it's not a surprise that they're excited about that. But uh, n- n- never mind that I think that they're, the people that I see in those trucks uh, certainly seem to be misogynists. Oh, like, um, sorry. I don't, I don't get a feel. I don't have the sensation that they would be celebrating any kind of woman anytime soon. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Yeah. So because Roe v. Wade is um, a decision that supports the liberation and full personhood yes. of women, then that would be a reason to be against it. Even Absolutely, like, absolutely. It, yeah. These will be the same people who would um, clamor for father's rights, which fathers should have rights, but they would clamor for father's rights but not support their children mm. at the same time from mm-hmm. whole different conversation. I understand whole different mm-hmm. conversation, but I will say I would like to know what all those flags do for their gas mileage, <laughs> especially in the wake of the gas prices. Right <laughs> so are they winning? I don't know. Unfortunately, it's just like generating more reason to, to try to get Biden out of office, but Everything has this push-pull, right? Mm. I mean, this is part of what I've also been trying to keep my perspective on. You know, like, I, I have, I don't know how this will land, but I was thinking back to, okay, when Roe v. Wade was first decided, how did women who'd been, and men who'd been, and non-gendered binary people, <laughs> um, who'd been fighting for that feel, Right. And so 50 years later, this is how the people who are against abortion in the pro-life movement are now feeling. Right. They have that same amount of celebratory like, oh, we've worked so hard for this. Mm. So I, I don't know, like I'm not trying to relativize by saying like everybody feels this way when they win. 
Um, and therefore it doesn't matter what your position is. Cause I actually do think that we should have our positions. Um, but it did make me realize like, okay, so as soon as Roe v. Wade was decided, it kind of launched, galvanized. I've been listening to a lot of uh, podcasts about this. <laughs> it did launch, galvanize the pro-life movement into organizing in a way that made possible what they have brought about. And so now I'm like, okay, like now they're in the position of having achieved what they fought for so hard and will those of us who don't like this decision will now be galvanized and it won't happen, you know, overnight from one protest, but, um, it is part of the energy that will create something emergent that, um, hopefully it doesn't take 50 years. Um, maybe something else can happen before that, but, um, so I've been trying to take that larger perspective about nothing is decided ever. Sometimes that sucks because we want it to be decided in our favor. But in this case, it's a good thing that it's not decided forever because there's still room then for things to change. I don't... (laughs) Push back, push back, push back. I'm I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. Oh, gracious. Well, unfortunately, um, something like a Supreme Court decision will take an awful long mm. time to say is not finalized. And especially with this court that's going to last for quite some time, I think there's going to be an air of futility out there that's going to have to be really, we're going to have to be very adamant about not allowing that to infiltrate our our lives to just think, well, gosh, it's all done. Mm-hmm. So do I think that things will change? Eventually, yes. But I think right now we just, we have to kind of come up with a workaround to make sure that our voices are still heard. I don't know. I, I think of the that small band of anti-abortion protesters that seem to always be around the courthouse. Mm-hmm. There were like mm-hmm. eight of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then, of course, I think of the literally thousand people that were there for the counter protest and why did those eight very old very not of childbearing abilities <laughs> why did they get that way hmm. mm-hmm. why did they get to their position you mean why did why was their will done and not oh, the will of I see. of us yeah mm-hmm. Which took this into a different. I did not answer your question. <laughs> Again. I, yeah. No. I didn't. I didn't have a question. It was more like I. I put out this like, larger like spiritual picture of how <laughs> change can happen, and I wanted to get pushback on it because I don't mm-hmm. necessarily know. I mean, I do. I, I do feel it's giving me. Um, a reason to stay engaged. So I, I think that it's, I, for me, I feel like it's the right kind of perspective I need to bring to things, but I also don't want it to be like some final word. Cause I think there's reasons to be skeptical. Like it could lead to a certain kind of passivity. Oh, change will happen. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think that, um, I do think that it, it requires active engagement still, but, um, well, especially because we realize that there are so many things attached to this decision that the the ball has now started to roll right. down the opposite side of the hill. And I also feel like that kind of gives us a little opportunity because mm-hmm. there are things that haven't changed yet 
that they're probably yeah. looking forward to yeah. changing that maybe we still have time to affect some change on ourselves and keep that around like you know birth con- more birth control uh regulations and things like that more access to the abortion pill right something now that's like could make abortion so much less painful and daunting um i also just wonder like what's going to happen with the states right so there'll be a states where you can get abortions and there'll be all these states where you can't get abortions like and i'm picturing it on a map with blue and red just because of the colors that people use for political maps and thinking like what other impact will that have that we have these blue states in the midst of these red states like i have handmaid's tale sometimes mm-hmm. in the back of my mm-hmm. mind where it's like but it doesn't have to go the bad way like maybe maybe something we can't like we're all thinking we need to get this back nationally like it has to be the same nationally i don't know like maybe these seeds of change happen at a state level in a way that we can't even see what's going to become of our country. Oh, gracious. Oh, gracious. You mean like the disunity of the country that, you know, there's the all those talks about a new civil war that's going to mm-hmm. occur or there's going to be so much disparity between states that we're not going to be a united yeah. set of states. We will be individuals. We're going to be the spaces between the snake, between the don't tread on me snake, mm-hmm. and we're not going to be the actual snake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that didn't help, did it? (laughs) (laughs) The effort was appreciated. (laughs) Well, we are actually um, stopping this conversation in in the middle or without resolution, which I'm not sure we could have gotten here anyway. Um... But we are at time, so we do always like to give a shout-out at the end to WVLP's full schedule of shows, which you can find at WVLP.org. And we highly recommend Morning Black, which airs live every Saturday morning at 8 a.m. And Building Leaders and Cultural Knowledge, that's the name of the show. They um, focus on concerns for the African-American communities in general and here in Northwest Indiana in particular, looking at and discussing issues and problems that inhibit equality and justice. So um, that's it for today. Thanks for listening. And thanks again to our sponsors, Asana Yoga Center at asanacenter.com and Roots Market Cafe at rootsmarketcafe.com. Both are open for business at their locations downtown on Lincoln Way. Visit their websites to learn more. We here at Welcome Project Radio love to support our local businesses. And thanks to Kelly and Michael Marakna who believe in supporting diversity, learning, and growth. You can find us online at welcomeproject.valpo.edu and wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to support Support WVLP and our show, you can make a donation by going to WBLP.org support. 